Proverbs chapter 1. When you're there, say, trust in the Lord. All right, Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Hey guys, it's me, the guy who just did announcements for you. Welcome back. It's good to see you. Thanks be to God for his word. I'm so thankful that we have an opportunity to get together again this morning. Um, last week, for the last six weeks, if you don't know and you haven't been following along with us, we have been going through a series called Canoeing the Mountains. We spent six weeks looking at what it looks like to faithfully and flexibly follow Jesus in these very uncertain and strange times that we live in right now. And if you missed any of that, we would encourage you to get caught up. You can go to our website and find the sermons there. You can see, you can search us on Apple Podcasts, um, and you can also visit our fake Facebook page um, and see our 11 a.m. stream services from the last six weeks. But we are done now with canoeing the mountains. And because we love God's word, amen? You say amen. Amen, nice and loud. Because we love God's word, we are starting a new series in the book of Proverbs. I don't know a better way to launch through, the, launch through a series in this community than to go to God's word and just go through a book of the Bible. So we're going through the book of Proverbs. And so what we're going to be doing this morning is kind of unpacking Proverbs as a whole. Um, what we're going to be looking at when we encounter these 31 chapters and chapters in between and all of that. Um, but we're also going to be talking a little bit about wisdom this morning and what wisdom looks like and what it does not look like. So we're going to look at Proverbs, what, it, what it's not and what it is, and then we are going to look at a little bit of the history as well as break down a few things that we see in the text. So we got a little bit of work to do. Let's just get right into it. This is a picture, a photograph of King Solomon. Just kidding. It's a painting. This is King Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man to live on the planet outside of Jesus as well as the wealthiest. If you want to look up how much he was worth, it's like Jeff Bezos times a million. Uh, you're going to have to use exponents because there's not enough like zeros in our numerical system to figure out how much this guy was exactly worth. It was trillions upon trillions upon trillions. It was insane how much he was worth. He was one of the sons of King David. King David, if you remember, was a, a mighty man, king of Israel, strong warrior, but also in touch with his musical side. Did a really good job at not getting speared to death by Saul when he played the harp for him. David was a really, really cool guy, and he loved the Lord. Apart from making some grievous mistakes that uh, continued throughout Israel's history, David loved God. David was considered a man after God's own heart. And so David has a son named Solomon. And Solomon, does anybody have any idea? And I want you to interact with me this morning because I need your help. Anybody have any idea how old Solomon was when he first began to reign as king? Just shout out a number. How old? How old? Did you say five? Yeah. Little older. Anyone else? Shout it out. 25. Younger. Younger. 12, that's it. He was 12 years old when he began to reign. That was fun. We should do that more. He was 12 years old. And the United States of America does not give two tons of steel mounted on four wheels and a plastic card that says you can drive it until 
you're 16. So imagine a 12-year-old, some of you have 12-year-olds in this room, and you're like, if this child of mine was the king over a nation, I would lose my mind. <laughs> like, so, so imagine that. I mean, Solomon is 12 years old, and we actually have a really cool account in the book of Chronicles where David actually calls his son in front of all of the people, the entire kingdom, and, and gives him a charge. And this is the charge that David gives his son that we see in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. He says, And you, Solomon, my son, Know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. The Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Paint this picture in, in, in your mind as like a moving picture, as a movie, like Steven Spielberg or something. You got, you got King David. He's like older in years and on in his age, and he invites his 12-year-old son to come up, and he addresses him in front of the entire kingdom and says, hey, buddy, you got two options. You seek God. You want to know him with all of your heart and with all of your mind. Seek him, and you'll find him, or you forsake him, and you do not find him. And what we see from after that moment in the life of Solomon Solomon, for the most part, apart from some decisions you can read about in the Bible reading plan on your own, he loves the Lord, and he seeks the Lord. He chooses that path to seek him, and then what we see coming from that, as we'll see a little bit later in 1 Kings, that he actually receives this gift of seeking God, to, of wisdom, wisdom from God himself, and God also blesses him with all of this wealth and this great kingdom. And so we see these two, paths, these two paths that David presents his son almost throughout the entirety of the book of Proverbs. It's worded a little differently, but it's essentially seek God or don't seek him. You can seek him and run after him and know him, or you can forsake him and things will not go well for you. And so what we're going to try to do as we go through the book of Proverbs is we are going to seek, hopefully with this path of seeking God, we will encounter real wisdom for real life. Real wisdom for real life. Some of you think you know what real life is, but I'm going to tell you that I think you're probably wrong because I thought I was right until I went on vacation last week, and then I realized what real life was. Let me give you an example. Last week, my wife and the kids and I got an opportunity to go on vacation in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. We'd been there before. She's lived there a little bit, and we had a great time. Did a lot of hiking, a lot of swimming in the hot springs out there. It was a lot of fun. While we were there, uh, my wife's mom came and watched our kids, and we had an opportunity to do a really awesome hike to Gilpin Lake. This is a photo we took at the top of the lake. It's beautiful. You get up there. It's, it's a desktop picture, man. It's, it, it's not even real life, but it seems like it is. You're standing up there, and you're just overwhelmed by the size of this mountain. And then we took a picture of us like, hey, look at this. Now, if I showed you those two pictures, and I was like, hey, we spent a week in Colorado, and it was great, and that's all you had to go off of, you would probably piece together in your mind with the society and the culture that we live in with Instagram and Facebook, how the entire trip went. You would probably think something like, oh my goodness, they ate wonderful pizza and they hiked all the time and smiles on faces and everyone was happy and healthy and tons of hiking and swimming. Or I could show you this picture of Ethan. This is our one-year-old and this is him losing his mind because he doesn't know peace in his heart apart from food in his mouth. And he's extremely hungry at this moment and we're like halfway through this hike and we still got to go down the other side. I could show you this picture. It's a picture of my wife crossing a creek just moments before she fell in and then we spent that next hour and a half hiking down the last two and a half miles of the mountain with wet shoes and wet socks on her feet. I could show you this picture uh, where Jessie, she's three today, happy birthday baby, um, and our son Ethan, I'm carrying them both because halfway through a hike, they started screaming and they said, we done hiking. We don't want to hike anymore. <clears throat> That's real life. 
Those moments are real life. Yes, we have these mountaintop experiences. We have these Instagram moments. And a lot of times we have this deception and we believe this lie that everything that we see, whether it's on our own lives or the lives of others, through the lens of social media, that that's real life. But in reality, it's cropped and cut and filtered and pasted of the best few tiny moments that aren't reality to be presented to the rest of the world. Reality is when your one-year-old son needs food in his belly and you're half a mile up a mountain and and an hour from food. Real life is when you got poop on your hands because you're changing the diaper on a kid who won't stop squiggling and squirming around. Real life is when you're having the same argument and conversation with your spouse for the last 15 years and you don't know how you're going to get around it. Real life is when you're facing debt and financial turmoil and you're not quite sure how it's going to come out on the other end. That's real life. Real life is sometimes sunshine, puppies, and rainbows. But more often than not, it is the dregs and the dredges and the valleys of life that we walk through. And so what we're attempting to do as we journey through the book of Proverbs is to seek God and to find Him, and in doing so, find real wisdom for those real-life moments. So what we're going to do right now is talk about what Proverbs is not And then we're going to talk about what it is, and then we're going to break down three things that we see in the text this morning that was read to you. So let's look at what Proverbs is not, what it's not. The first thing is that it is not a group of promises, a group of promises. Now, hear me when I say this, and I'm going to need some amens from you guys. God's word does not return to him void, amen? Amen. Everything that God's word sets out to accomplish, it accomplishes, amen? Amen. All of the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen. What I'm not saying is that, these, that there are not promises in the book of Proverbs, but as a collective whole, it is not 31 chapters of individual verses with set in stone promises for your life. It is not a book that we should come to in the Bible, even, even so the entirety of the Bible, like this. Like Imagine this for a moment. Like, like this is us. Um, just lost my page, but hold on. It's not the TV show, This Is Us. This is me thumbing through a Bible. We take our Bible, we sometimes are like, we're looking for a promise of God, right? I need a promise and a good word right now. So we rub this thing, we love God's word, and he's not popping out like a genie, and that's weird, and we don't understand why. So then we start thumbing through this thing, and we slap it open, and we point, and we hope for the best, and it says, because you did not answer the word of the Lord and strike me, a lion will find you and kill you. And a lion found him and killed him. What? That doesn't make any sense at all. That's actually a true story. It's 1 Kings chapter 20. You should look it up. Um, But we can't come to the book of Proverbs in that way, let alone the entire Bible. You cannot read Proverbs in a vacuum. Like we were saying earlier, Proverbs is a book of wisdom that is meant to also be read synoptically with the other books of wisdom, like the book of Job, the book of Ecclesiastes. We have some wisdom psalms like Psalm 45. We also have the Song of Solomon. We just went through the book of Ecclesiastes together not too long ago. When we read these together, we get a whole picture of wisdom. But as we journey through the book of Proverbs, it's important for us to know that isolated, verse by verse, they are not individual promises for specific moments in our lives. What's the second thing that it's not? The second thing that it's not is a list of how-tos. It's not a list of how-tos. A lot of us live through life and we wonder, what's the the next 10-step thing that we can do better to be a better Christian and to love the Lord better? 
Now, there are, there are wonderful resources out there like daily offices and daily routines and daily prayer and all these things that we can, we can infuse into our lives, into our rhythms. Those are good. But the book of Proverbs in and of itself is not going to tell you to wake up in the morning, to drink your coffee, to brush your teeth, to sit down with your Bible and read three chapters. And if you missed yesterday, read six. And then make sure you get your time with your prayer and then say hi and pray for someone on your way to work and come home and be a good boy at work and then eat your food and pray with your family and go to bed. It's not, gonna, it's not a list of how-tos of how to live your life. There's actually a verse in Proverbs chapter 16. It says, whoever gives thought to a matter will discover good. It doesn't say specifically like whoever gives, gives thought to a matter will find out exactly how to handle that or what to do with it. it just says he'll discover good. Whoever spends time with their mind and their knowledge and their reasoning upon a matter, that's a good thing. So it's not this list of how-tos. It's not this list of promises. And Proverbs is also not just advice. It's not just advice. Yes, we have King Solomon, and verse after verse throughout the Proverbs, we hear him say, my son, my son. And it's not just a dad coming to his son and saying, hey, life's rough. There's a lot of things that are really difficult to decide through. Here are some good ideas that I've come up with throughout life that might be able to help you, but you know, whatever you come across along the way might work well for you too. But just take my advice and maybe listen to some of this stuff. It's not that. It's not just good advice. What it is is good news, amen? It's part of God's word. It's good news. There's a verse in chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. He says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom, so that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge. What is he saying there? He's saying, keep these words on your heart and in your mind regularly, daily. Don't make it just a part of your mind. Make it a part of your heart. Make it a part of your character. Because this is a lens through which you can view life. So Proverbs is not a group of promises. It's not a list of how-tos. And it's not just good advice. Let's talk about what it is for just a moment. What Proverbs is. What we see when we come to the book of Proverbs is a group of principles. Principles. Principles that can help us practice living life in a healthy way. Now, principles are, are, are not just uh, really awesome people who, who look over schools and, and teachers and all that, but it's also a way of looking at life a way of viewing life through a lens that allows us to live in a healthy way. Here's an example. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14. This is my life verse. You can just ask my wife. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning is a curse. I'm not a morning person. I try to be, and I've tried to be. You can even ask my mom. She's here in the crowd today. I have never been a morning person. Um, and that, and what, Pro, what Solomon is saying here in Proverbs chapter 27 is not a promise of if you're loud in the morning, your neighbor's going to hate you. It's not a how-to of, hey, you should not do this in the morning to your neighbor because this is going to happen. And it's not just advice. It's a principle with which to look at life and those around you and consider their well-being as you live through life. And this is just a small snippet of how that is applicable and how that is practical. A practical way of practicing living life in a healthy way. So it's not just a group of principles, but we also see all throughout the book of Proverbs is that it points us to Jesus. The Proverbs point us to Jesus. We have a lot that's written about Christ. We have a lot that is also not written about Christ. One of the Gospels records that out of all the miracles and things that he had done and said, you could not fill all the books in the entire world with it. But the book of Proverbs gives us 31 chapters and myriads of verses of how we know Christ lived. 
We know that he lived this way because Christ was the wisest human being on the planet. He was God from God, light from light, the sinless and spotless Lamb of God. He lived this way. He lived the life of a man of Proverbs, the life of wisdom. And so what do we do with this information of what it's not and what it is? It's not promises. It's not how-tos. It's not advice. It's principles that help us live life in a healthy way, and they point us to Jesus. Well, ultimately, it's... It's not exactly what we do in life. Yes, the action and what we do is important. And yes, Jesus said, those who hear my words and do them will, go, will be off well like a house that's built on a good foundation. But what the book of Proverbs shows us is this. Wisdom is not the content of your life, but your character in life. It's not the content of your life. It's the character of your life. It's not coming to a situation and saying, I wonder what the wise decision is to make in this moment. It's what does a wise person do? It's what does the character of a wise person look like in addressing this situation in life? It's not the content of our lives solely, but it's our character throughout life. So that's what the book of Proverbs is going to show us. As we, as we go through the next four weeks, we are going to be seeing life through this lens of practical things, that, ways of living that point us to Jesus and show us not just how the content of our lives can change, but the character of our lives can change as well. So let's look at three things that we see in the text this morning. I see a purpose of Proverbs, I see a path of Proverbs, and I see a person in Proverbs. So we're going to start right away with just the first one, the purpose of Proverbs. Um, this is a picture of Charles Spurgeon. If you don't know who he is by now, you have not been paying attention. Uh, if, if, if you've been coming here for a while, you've pretty much heard this man quoted on a weekly basis. Pastor Jason has every recorded sermon of Charles Spurgeon in his office. I think it's 64 volumes or something like that. It is full of every sermon that he's ever preached on anything. And it is amazing. It's really, really awesome. You can basically look for any passage of the Bible and get Charles Spurgeon's entire transliterated sermon in every single word. But with that resource being in his office, I discovered something not too long ago. He told me about it. He said, that's worthless without this. And he was holding up this little notebook, this little key. I said, what is that? And he said, this is a key. It actually, the volumes are so vast and they're not labeled in a specific way that you have to have this key that tells you exactly where to go and what path to take to thumb through these 64 volumes to find what it is that you're looking for. And what we have in the book of Proverbs and the verses that were read to you is a key that's like that for us. We have the first seven verses that tells us the purpose of Proverbs. Look down at your Bible. Look down at your Bible. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And the first one is this, to know, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. It's right there in verse two, to know wisdom and instruction. That's the first part of our key. And I love this. Like Solomon takes a moment to say, hey, we're going to give you these principles for life to living in a healthy way. It's going to point to Jesus because of the Holy Spirit and God's goodness and the infallibility of his word. But I'm going to tell you what it's all about. Like how I'm going to tell you how this applies to your life and the purpose of me writing this. And the purpose is to know. The first thing is to know wisdom and understanding. And I'm really interested by that because it's almost like Solomon starts with, with the head, with head knowledge. 
in order to get anywhere with this, you gotta, you gotta start and you gotta read and you gotta ingest this stuff in your brain and in your mind. And if there is one thing that we are not good at in 2020, it is knowledge. We've got smartphones, we do dumb things with them, we have a vast world of knowledge and information and entertainment at our fingertips, but we don't know anything. This isn't, the days of storing information in our minds is long gone because we store it in our pockets. The days of storing information in our hearts is long gone because it's, it's a Google away. I mean, just a moment ago, we were up in the sound booth trying to remember some actor's name from a, from, from a film, and we didn't know it because, you know, who needs to know that information? But Google knew it, and we found it out almost immediately, and I can't remember his name now because it's gone. It served its purpose, and now it's gone. But what Solomon is saying is that it first has to start with knowledge and understanding. You're first going to know wisdom, and to understand it, it's going to start in your head. And I want to challenge you guys, the next time that you have an opportunity where the power goes out, doesn't sound like an opportunity, maybe go, I don't know, go to the library or something and like check out a book or read a book on something, bring something home and like ingest it into your mind. It's a really healthy thing. Like we do have, did, did you guys know we have a library? I didn't know until I started researching for this sermon. We have a library in town. You can go, you can get a library card for free and all those books are free and you can ingest that information. So we got to know with our head. Solomon says we need to know and understand wisdom and instruction with our head knowledge, but it does doesn't stop there, thank goodness, because if we had a world full of bookworms who only had head knowledge, we would all die of boredom and arguments and frustration. Solomon says the very next purpose is not just to know, but it's also to receive. To receive. Look down at your Bible in verse 3. To know wisdom and instruction, understand works of insight. Verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. So we're getting into some larger words here, some things that may even associate more with like a king and ruling and reigning. But those words stuck out to me like righteousness and equity. Those don't just necessarily come from head knowledge. Righteousness and equity are things that come from heart knowledge. They come from Solomon saying, hey, you don't just need to know this with your head, but you need to receive this into your heart. This is knowledge that drops from your mind and goes into your chest cavity, into your heart, into the, into the character of who you are. It's like my stepdad always used to say to me, he would say, hey, are you listening to me? I'd be like, yeah, I'm listening. He's like, no, you're listening, but you don't hear me. You're not hearing what I'm saying. That, that's what Solomon is saying here. Like you take the information and, and we listen and we retain it in our brains and we know it as knowledge and understanding, but then, and then we truly hear it. It becomes part of our character and it drops into our heart so we can navigate through life and make these healthy living choices. But it's not just head knowledge and it's not just heart knowledge. We see another third purpose is there in verse 4. It's to give. To give. It's to know, to receive, and to give. He says to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the young. To the simple and to the young. So Solomon is saying, here's the purpose and here's the audience. The audience is for the simple and for the young. But it's not just for those who he wrote it to immediately, it's also for us. And if there is a season in life that we can impart wisdom and knowledge, head knowledge and heart character knowledge, to the younger generation beneath us, to my generation, beneath your generation, it's 2020, man. 
It's the season that we're in right now where there's so much uncertainty flying around. What news source do I listen to? What is credible and what is not? What's going on with this virus? What's going on with my finances? Who do I believe in the midst of a conflict? Mom and dad are fighting. I don't know who's right. What, what better time than to give wisdom and instruction to the simple and to the young? Not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge as well. All of those things. And I cannot imagine... I cannot imagine passing on to, to, to submit yourself under somebody to receive knowledge and instruction, to let that sink into your heart and to have a desire to give that to your children and to those around you. I cannot imagine that being motivated by anything other than love. Wisdom requires love. The wisdom that we see in the scriptures, the wisdom that is so different from what we think wisdom is, a character that points us to Jesus and allows us to live in a healthy way through life has to come from love. Proverbs shows us, time after time, Solomon addressing these children, addressing his sons and addressing the readers as, son, listen to your father, listen to your mother. Personifies wisdom as a woman who cries aloud in the streets. Listen to these verses. In Proverbs 1, verse 8 and 9, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. They are a graceful garland for your head and pendants around your neck. And then in verse 20, wisdom, she cries aloud in the streets. In the markets, she raises her voices at the head of the noisy streets. She cries out. And whoever listens to her will dwell secure and be at ease. A father figure, a mother figure, wisdom portrayed as a woman, all crying out and reaching out and saying, don't go that way, go this way, is motivated by love. And if we want to seek and live in that kind of wisdom with the character of who we are, it has to be motivated by love. It has to be motivated by love. So we've seen the purpose. It's to know, to receive, and to give. And we know that wisdom requires love. But let's take a moment and look at the path of Proverbs and the path of wisdom. This is a picture, um, an overview of the hike that we did, the Gilpin Lake. It's like four and a half miles, almost five miles from the parking lot to the base of that lake. And then it's another five because you've got to turn around and go back. There's no like ski lift that takes you down. Like you walk all the way up there and you walk all the way down. We downloaded this trail, like a key, a good map to show us like what way to go up the mountain to go up safely. Um, but about a mile and a half into the trip, uh, into the hike, my wife and I saw a fork in the road. And we were like, okay. That way looks like it goes up, but it sounds like water. And this way looks like it's going further, but it looks like it's going down. And are we supposed to go up? Like, we were so confused on which path to take and where to go because this map didn't clarify this fork in the road. And as we went down the other path away from the water, we saw this sign eventually that said Mount Zirkle Wilderness, which told us we were going the right way. And we had two options. And what Proverbs shows us is that we do have a path to choose. We have a path that we can take. We can either choose the ill-informed path of uncertainty and trying to figure out things on our own, or we can choose the marked path. And we see two paths, kind of like David charged his son Solomon with the way of seeking God and the way of forsaking him. We see that path laid out for us in Proverbs. It's just worded a little differently. Solomon calls it the way of the wise versus the way of the fool. And so let's look at the way of the fool for a moment. Look at the bottom half of verse 7. Fear the Lord is beginning of knowledge. Fools despise what? Say it out loud. Wisdom. How many of you have your Bible open? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom. Wisdom and instruction. Man, if there is a season of life 
everything's happening right now. Like 2020 is the most relevant sermon illustration source in all of mankind right now. 2020, we are alive in the midst of a pandemic. We are, in the live, we are alive in the midst of uncertainty and political hostility and things going on that, I mean, goodness, I think, I think uh, the New York Times said that like alien spacecraft is real or something like that. We've got so much going on right now and we have paths that we can choose, but a lot of us choose to figure out things on our own to despise wisdom and instruction. We don't know where to turn or who to listen to, so we try and figure things out on our own. And Solomon paints a picture for us and says a four-letter word that we should all become very acquainted with, and it's the fool. He calls it being a fool. And in the Hebrew, the word means fool or, or stupid. If you abandon wisdom and instruction, you are a fool. I cannot stress enough how valuable it would be as we journey through this book together, as we journey through this wisdom literature, as we journey through the Word of God together, to ask yourself that question. Am I, am I a fool? Am I a foolish person? How do you, here's a litmus test for you of how you can gauge that. How do you respond when somebody offers you correction? Do you immediately snap back and say, well, here's all the things you need to correct. I don't have enough fingers. Well, what does it look like when you're in the midst of an argument with, with your spouse or a friend and they try to challenge either your authority or maybe tell you that you're wrong? Or do you puff yourself up? Do you get defensive? Do you get angry? Do you move into this culture of like check out of whatever, man, you just say what you got to say and I'm going to continue me and me because that's just me. Or do you move into that call-out culture and start pointing things out at everybody else and what they're doing wrong? Or do you just move to that hangout culture of like, eh, whatever, like, I'll do, I'll do what you ask me to do, but I'm not going to really have any heart change or any real motivation out of love to do this. Proverbs would say that that's the litmus test that calls you a fool. And I, I, would, I think we would do well to use that as a good litmus test for us in our lives. Am I a fool? Have I chosen that path? Can I receive instruction from someone who's older than me? Can I receive wisdom and instruction from someone who's younger than me? Can I receive wisdom and instruction from someone who seems like they're not even qualified? How do I respond? Am I a fool? That's one path. And we see the other path that Proverbs maps out for us, and that's the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom. Look down again at your Bible in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. He doesn't say being right is the beginning of knowledge. He doesn't say a really good education is the beginning of knowledge. He doesn't say knowing that you are right with certainty and making sure that no one else is ever wrong is the beginning of knowledge. It's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of of knowledge. Other, translate, other translations say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we have this idea of what we think wisdom is. We have this idea of what we think it looks like, whether it's success or finally arriving to the point to where we don't need correction anymore or we don't need guidance. But that is not what wisdom is. It begins with fearing God. Listen to these words from, from Matthew chapter 12. Jesus actually it makes himself equal, actually greater than the wisdom of Solomon. It says, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear wisdom of Solomon. But behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Even people in the history of history of the Bible coming to see Solomon and seeking godly wisdom 
Yes, that is good, but the wisdom that is imparted to us through Jesus Christ is an entirely different wisdom. It's a new wisdom that we, that we cannot even wrap our minds around, but it's something that becomes a part of who we are and a character of who we are as we live through life. And it starts with the fear of the Lord. Now, there are a lot of people who say, the, the, the commentators and, and scholars say, the fear of the Lord that actually means like, like the reverence of the Lord or, or maybe a great respect, but not like to be afraid. Um, and the word that's used there means fear, the fear of the Lord. And it's because God is so, so vast and so wise and so gracious and so merciful and so loving and so wrathful and so good and so wonderful, far beyond we could ever imagine. It's beyond our comprehension. That is a God that we are to fear. Every account in the scriptures when someone is visited by an angel or, or, or hears the voice of the Lord, they fall as though dead. The fear of the Lord is a healthy thing, and Proverbs tells us that it is the beginning of wisdom. I mean, think about the way that you parent your children. Like, I have a one-year-old son who I'm pretty sure probably knows that I could take him in a fight. Like, like he's one, and I'm 31, and I'm a monster compared to him. Like, now, I would go about, you know, teaching my son the fear of me in a very unhealthy way and probably a not correct way. But imagine the vast, the vastness and goodness of God and the way that he corrects lovingly and challenges gracefully and grows us with his spirit. I don't know what to fear more. Something that is so good and so powerful, but so peaceful knowing that he is my heavenly father. He is my God who loved me enough to send his son. That is the way of wisdom. The way of the wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Listen to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes understanding. Wisdom does not come from the inside of us. Wisdom comes from our God whom we fear and love. And wisdom requires humility. Wisdom requires humility. You cannot learn and you cannot know and you cannot grow healthily and in a right way in a puffed up posture. The fear of the Lord, the humility of before the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we've seen what Proverbs isn't and is. We've seen the purpose of Proverbs in the path. Now, finally, let's look at the person in Proverbs. Um, we've said time and time again that the Jewish people and the Gentiles and us and all of humanity have this idea of what wisdom is. We have this idea that wisdom can come in power, can come in strength. It can come in and win an argument. Wisdom, if it's strong enough and good enough, can never be challenged, and wisdom can never be overthrown. But the wisdom that is offered to us, we see actually lived out in the person of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus lived like this, and we know that the very act of what Jesus has done for us is wisdom. It is wisdom. Listen to, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 26 through 31. 
For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that... As it is written, let no one who boasts, boast in the Lord. What is this wisdom that is given to us? The wisdom is the person of Jesus Christ. What is the foolish things of the world that God uses to shame the strong? It's the cross. What would seem wise to us to climb up onto a cross and die for humanity? That doesn't look like victory. That doesn't look wise. But God in his infinite wisdom sends us wisdom in the person of Jesus Christ. And he defeats sin and death in the grave with the things that are weak. The things, things of the world are, are, the things are weak. The things of the, the strong of the world are made weak. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Listen to these words from Tim Keller. And I'm going to close with this and invite the band to lead us up in a time of response. Tim Keller said, Jesus is the ultimate teacher and the ultimate giver of wisdom. Solomon tells us to write his teaching on our hearts, to write his words and his teaching on our hearts. But in 2 Corinthians, we are told that Jesus writes the word of God on our hearts by his spirit. Jesus, by his spirit, imparts wisdom to us and implants the word of God into our hearts for which we can live because wisdom is not just the content of our lives, it's our character through life. And how much better would our character be with the word of God implanted in our hearts by the Holy Spirit? Jesus, as the wisdom of God, teaches us that wisdom requires a heart change that only Jesus can give. If you find yourself puffed up, if you find yourself proud, if you find yourself going through that litmus test and answering the question, maybe I am a fool, you're not alone. I guarantee you every person in this room, including myself, is going to answer that way. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ can change our hearts. The Holy Spirit alive inside of us can change our hearts and implant his word into our hearts to guide us through life, to live with these principles in a healthy way that point us to Jesus. This is not something that you can muster up yourself. Wisdom is not something that you can create on your own and that comes from you. It comes from God through Jesus Christ. Ray Ortland said, Jesus is our priest and he is our prophet. But in the book of Proverbs, we encounter Jesus as our mentor. Do you see him that way? You can have him that way. The universe's greatest expert on you is not you. It's Jesus Christ. He alone is qualified to have that kind of say in your life. So as we journey through Proverbs, as we look at words, as we look at work, wisdom, wealth, as we look at wounds, may we be reminded that the goodness of God shown to us in Jesus Christ, sent to us in the wisdom of God, creates a heart change in us that 
we cannot create this on our own. This is a product of humility, of submitting to God and his word, to fearing the Lord, and to seeking a God and finding him. I promise you this morning, just like David promised Solomon, if you seek God, you will find him. God has sought us with his son, Jesus Christ, and that is where we go. Would you stand to your feet this morning? As we go through this series, let us know that real wisdom comes from knowing, truly loving Jesus. Knowing and loving Jesus. So with the wisdom of God teaching us how to pray, can we raise our voices aloud together and pray these wise words from Jesus Christ? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this good news. Thank you for this book of wisdom that points us to your Son. Holy Spirit, help us as we journey through this series to live lives that seek you, that begin in humility. Show us the foolishness in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, take us down a wise path to Jesus Christ. Remind us that the heart change can only come from you. Remind us that it's not just the content of our life, but wisdom is the character in our life that comes from Christ and Him alone. Help us in all of these things as we seek real wisdom for real life. We ask it all in Christ's name.